So the thing is, you get your self-confidence by getting lost and finding out you will always get found. Don't worry about it. You get your self-confidence by getting in trouble and having to ask for help and letting someone rescue you. Nobody really likes you until you let them help you. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today's episode is extra, extra special because I have the most incredible guest. I came across her. Her name is Joy, Joy Elliott. I came across her in a Facebook group that I'm in where she put up a post about traveling solo, which wouldn't necessarily be a huge deal. I travel solo all the time. The difference is, is that she's in her 80s. And Joy is just the most incredible human. She has, I feel like she has somehow lived three, four different lives packed into one lifetime. And she didn't even start traveling solo. And we're talking basically backpacking, like staying in hostels with uh, students essentially that were like 20 years old and (laughs) just having the absolute time of her life. And she ended up writing a book about it called Joy's Journey. I read it. It's fantastic. Joy is just such an extraordinary being. And she she's ultimately lived many, many small journeys that make up an absolutely extraordinary life. And she is talking, we actually recorded um, this in two different sessions. And we still didn't even get into uh, huge portions of her life that we just kept running out of time for. I, I could sit and chat with Joy all all day. She's just incredible. She came from an extremely poor farm in Oklahoma when she was a kid. And she actually ended up uh, at a young age um, there. She was in such despair. And we get into this a little bit that she ended up climbing an oil rig with the intent of jumping off. Um, she talks to us about that and, and what changed her mind. She had a short career as a commercial fisher fisherman. She uh, lived years as traveling around the entire United States, just from one city to the next. And then she ended up actually having a career that culminated in being a private contractor in the Middle East. It's just fascinating. Joy is talking to us about her relationships, love, grief, self-confidence, and the lessons that she's learned about that all the way from what her mother taught her at a very young age to how it grew and developed and how she was sort of forced to grow out of her shyness in order to get to where she was going. Uh, We're talking about travel, loneliness, finding yourself in the most unusual ways. And she's such an inspiration. I, I don't know how else to describe her other than 
to say what a beautiful human she is inside and out and that she was named appropriately because joy is the epitome of joy. She brings joy everywhere she goes. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this one. This one is different than than what I usually do. And it is also longer than what I usually do. But I really recommend checking out her book. I've linked it in the show notes as well. And connecting with Joy on Facebook because she is just the most beautiful human. She's out traveling again right now. You can go keep an eye on her adventures. And let's dive into this. <laughs> Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. I'm so excited to have Joy here today. Joy Elliott. Joy, I have been looking forward to this for weeks, ever since we set this up. Just, I'm over the moon. And I was just telling you before we got on that I I posted just a little tiny snippet about you and your story on Instagram when when we arranged this. And people were messaging me on Instagram, already very excited about this and wanting to come drive across the United States to meet you. So... Well, thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here and I'm excited too. And oh my they, before they drive across the United States to meet me, they better be sure I'm here because I don't stay in the same place very long. <laughs> and we're going to get into all of that today. So I'm okay. so excited to talk to you today. So tell us, tell us your age, first of all, and I'm, tell us just a little bit about you. <laughs> okay, I am 88 years old. I'm still very healthy. I take no prescription medicine and I'm a going rascal. (laughs) (laughs) About five years ago, my husband passed away, which is not an unusual experience for women my age. Of course, at the time I was so devastated, I thought I was going to die. And I did what I could to survive. First, I cleaned my house. I scrubbed every square inch with a toothbrush. And then I realized that if I just sat here and thought about it, I was going to die too. So I started thinking about what to do about it. And I realized I had always wanted to travel. I knew what my dreams were. But I thought my dreams would never happen because here's a little interesting side bit about my husband. He passed away. He was 16 years younger than I and I had thought you know that I was never going to have to be a widow but here I was and I had traveled quite a lot with him but I had always had dreams of traveling in the kind of a manner that we didn't travel because when he and I traveled well first both of us and then just him he had a job And he had to get back to it, you know. So we traveled two weeks typically, and then we had to come back and go to work. Well, that really didn't satisfy the need, my desire, what I wanted to do. So now I was thinking about what to do to keep from dying. And I just thought, why don't I just go travel? So I began to broach that idea to the people I knew, friends and family. And they all said I was much too old. I was 83 at the time. And of course, they were right. But then I told them, but you know, next year, I'll be a year older. And if I don't do it now, then I'm not going to get to do it at all. So after thinking about it a little more and doing a little more research, I learned about some EU rail passes that allows you to travel over Europe pretty much unlimited for three months. But I knew if I went at all, I wanted more than three months. So I bought two 
EU rail passes. And then I bought a round trip, round trip ticket to London. And I decided I would go to London and stay as long as I wanted to. When I was through with London, I am going to travel all over Europe, over land, by rail and bus and whatever means, and then be back in London in time to come back home in October. I had, on a couple of occasions, I'd had a little experience with youth hostels, but it was always I was there with a friend or with my husband, and we had a private, you know, two-bedroom. It wasn't like being out with the crowd. So I decided I would go with youth hostels because I didn't have much money. I just decided I'm going to go travel until my savings are used up. And then I will sit home and learn how to live on Social Security. Well, after three years of this, I wrote a book and I put all every detail in it. So I'm, I won't cover every little detail right now because you can't do that in this short of time. Of course. And, and we're going to list that in the show notes too. So anyone, All everyone right. is going to want your book so they can go buy your book as well. And I was in the first, I was in tears reading your book within the first page as well. So, <laughs> okay. And the other little thing about my traveling is I had a smartphone, but I did not know how to use it. The thing was basically a telephone, and then I knew it had did all these other things, but I didn't know what they were and or how to use them. Well, with one exception, I knew I had downloaded an app called Hostel World, and I knew how to make reservations at hostels. So you ended up, you you did your full six months, and, and I'm skipping over massive, huge chunks here, obviously, which, which you talk about a lot in the book. So I want everyone to go get Joy's book because it's amazing. Um, but I do want to actually hear, are, are there, and I'm sure this is so hard to pick out, but in those six months, are there like one or two memories that just stand out to you the most or particular people or something like that? Oh, there's so many. I, I should tell you. And it was you so how, hard to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. First, I'll say I had to get over my shyness. You have to ask for help. The other thing I will say is I had to learn how to use my telephone. I had to eventually learn how to use maps and to find things. And I had to learn all those things. So the experiences in the hostels, the people I met, the help I asked sometimes and the help I didn't ask sometimes, it all helped me to kind of learn how to cope, how to put things together. And I'm moving along. I moved first into France and then from France down to, to over to Venice. And then I moved up through Austria and then I started east from there. And then I dropped down south from there and, and I got into Zagreb, Croatia. Now that's Eastern Europe. I, I remember your question and I'm getting to it. I'm not in a rush. You take your time, Dre. All right. <laughs> in my hostel. And a young lady came up to me, a young American lady named Emily. Oh, <laughs> I will never forget because I love that girl. She came up to me and said, Joy, I'll go buy a bottle of wine if you'll help me drink it. I grew up in the dry state of Oklahoma. I never even mm. saw a bottle of liquor till I was over 21 years old, any kind. So I, I've never been much of a drinker. The idea that somebody would just come up to me and say, I'll buy a bottle of wine, let you and I drink it. Well, I couldn't think of a reason to say no. So I said, okay. So we set out in the backyard 
and started drinking this wine after we got about half through that bottle of wine. See, I had been holding everything inside. I knew that my story of how heartbroken I was was a downer and every traveler didn't want to hear it. So I wasn't telling everybody. But loosened up by this wine, I started falling and I cried and cried. And I told Emily all about how heartbroken I was. And Emily just said, it's okay, Joy, cry all you can. She said, tears are God's pain pills. Oh. I'll never forget her saying that. It was so wonderful. So I drank half a bottle of wine and cried about a barrel of tears. And I felt so totally relieved. I mean, this that was not Ireland, but that place was the turning point for me. After that, I could talk about it when it was needed without crying, and I could not talk about it all the time when it wasn't needed, which is another thing. And it was at that point that I began to heal. Uh, do you guys still stay in touch? Yes, but I haven't actually seen her since then. Okay. But we, we do, you know, talk through Facebook. That's so nice. Oh my goodness. Well, in this whole time too, like you, you also, you started really opening up and loving like the whole hostel situation and staying in co-ed dorms and just yeah, that was, all the things. Yeah. I st started to tell you, see, I stayed strictly in female dorms, but when I got to Venice, it was just crowded enough that I did not, could not find an option. I had to agree to a mixed dorm. Well, everybody else was doing that. So I thought if everybody else can do it, I can too. So I gave it a try. And I was quite surprised to find, well, just let me sum the whole thing up. All the rest of the summer, I stayed in mixed dorms. And in that whole summer, I never saw or heard anything that caused me to blush. It just, I love those dorms that those, the traveling young people or the finest young people in the world. I just, I became such an optimist from just having met them. I keep telling everyone if this world can survive until those people are in charge, <laughs> then we're going to be okay. Oh, those are good people. Those people in the, I was worried about how they would accept an old lady, but I didn't need to have worried. They were so polite and so happy to have me there and so nice to me. And ah. <laughs> <It> <laughs> You made wonderful. so many incredible friends. You made so many incredible friends. I, yes. And there are pictures of many of them, including Emily. In my yes, book. yes, I've seen them. You have all <laughs> kinds of amazing pictures with with everybody. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! No, they just just incredible, and, and and the fact that you have continued to travel since, other than I know the pandemic um, kind of put a damper on some things. But what are I, I only wanna... missed? I only missed one year because of the pandemic. Oh, good. Okay, I missed twenty twenty, but last year I went back. Good. You see, by the end of the six months, I had learned so many things. Let me summarize them quick for you. <laughs> One of them is I had learned is that six months is too short. Europe is big and you cannot see it in six months. 
So you oh, have sure. to get sensible, look at a map and say, I'm going to take this corner. The other thing I had learned was that you should never buy round trip tickets because the whole second half of the summer was planned with it in mind that I had to be at a certain place at a certain time in order to get on the airplane and go back home. You all, if you're going to travel the way I did, you want to be free to go home when you want to and from wherever you want to at any time you want to. I realize it costs a little more money, but it's worth your, your freedom and having your options open is definitely worth it. I want to talk a little bit about what you learned about asking for help and overcoming your shyness and self-confidence and everything else. And there was one particular quote that I wrote down from your book that when you were talking about the self-confidence that your mother planted in you growing mm -hmm. from within and you said, and, and this was, was one of the quotes, you said, quote, however, the ability to ask for help and do things by myself meant that the seed of self-confidence was sprouting within me, end quote. And I just thought that that was so helpful for a lot of people to hear because we tend to sometimes think of, of self-confidence as a goal to be achieved and a destination to be reached, but it's, it's ultimately what happens along the journey. And when you started learning to ask to ask for help, did that then also translate into not just while you were traveling, but then you started to be more open to asking for help and more confident in all the other areas of your life too? Oh, yes. I, I was so shy. And now I tell people, if you wind up in a queue with me, you're going to get talked to. <laughs> If you tell me to be quiet, I will, but I'll pout about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never tell you to stop talking, Joy. Okay. <laughs> you can talk to me all day. <laughs> all right. I love that so much. And, and I also just really want to underscore for anyone listening, how you made so many of these changes from within at an older age, because I think a lot of people hit certain ages and it's like, they just kind of throw in the towel and think, oh, I'm too old for that. Or that's never going to happen for me. Or this is just the way I am. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Even at my age, I feel, or the age I was then, I felt like after that one year of travel, I was just almost a totally different person. And I didn't set out to do these things, to become self-confident, to it's just that I just, I was desperate to do something. I threw myself into the mix and this asking for help happened because it had to. I got in situations I had no choice. I had to ask for help. And at one point I was so lost, I couldn't find my hostel. I won't go into the details of why I couldn't find the hostel I had reserved. I had arrived in a new town. I was pulling my suitcase looking for it. I had directions. I had an I didn't know how to use my cell phone. I was lost. And I saw some other people walking, holding up that cell phone up in front of them, like old pictures of a divining rod, you know, like they're looking for water. They're, the cell phone is moving <laughs> the right direction and they're following it. Looking and I water. realized, geez, I I have got to learn to do that. <laughs> So 
I just felt like I had to. I, I asked those people where they were going and how they were doing that. <laughs> they were pulling suitcases too. It was a young couple. And it turned out they were going to my hostel. So I followed them and we went directly there. And here's what happens. When you have to do it, you have to do it. And then when people are nice to you and they save you, and it works out perfectly, and everybody just smiles at you, you get all this self-confidence. Geez, that wasn't so bad. That worked out good. I made a new friend. I learned all this stuff. So the next time you need to ask for help, it's a little bit easier. That's how you learn. So you learn to ask for help, and you do it over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> After I got back home, I was telling some older ladies about my travels and one of them said oh I could never do that but what you did I'd be so afraid and I said well tell me exactly exactly what it is you would be afraid of and she thought for a moment and she said I'd be afraid I'd get lost <laughs> and I laughed and laughed and laughed I thought that was so funny I said, I was lost all summer. That was the best part. <laughs> so the thing is, you get your self-confidence by getting lost and finding out you will always get found. Don't worry about it. You get your self-confidence by getting in trouble and having to ask for help and letting someone rescue you. You know, one of the things I had always known a bit of wisdom that I had known in my life, but not really known in my heart until that trip, is that nobody really likes you until you let them help you. Oh, we need to let that drop and let that sink in. Yes. That's, tell me more about that, Joy. It's not what you can do for everybody else in the world. It's what you will let them do for you. Because once somebody has saved you, you are now theirs. Oh, my goodness. And, some they, people... and they will love you forever after. <laughs> and it's funny because some of us, and I have absolutely been that person, don't almost don't want to. I'm not as much like this now, but but I talked to a lot of people who, who still struggle with this about not wanting to ask for help because they don't want to be in debt to someone. But I think, I yeah, you're, you're framing this the completely different way that I love. No, it doesn't put you in debt to them. It puts them in debt to you. Ooh. Let them help you. Once somebody saves you from a bad situation, you are now their project. You are alive because of them. They have to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> And I know a lot of people would also struggle with then feeling like, well, but then I'm just a burden. It's a burden everybody wants. It's a because everyone wants to feel needed. Ever yet, yeah, that's exactly everyone wants to feel needed. So let them. I totally agree. I I because I've learned a lot about about this in particular the last couple of years and. When I have opened to ask for help, it has been given so generously and not with strings attached, but in ways where it has actually built stronger relationships. Oh, yes. Yeah. It makes people like you more. And I, I have so many, you know, similar experiences of, of getting lost and asking for help and just having like the most like 
beautiful generosity given to me, but you don't know if you don't ask, like if you don't put yourself out there and, and when you're traveling alone, a lot of times you have to, there is no other option. <laughs> but you finally learn to talk to people because they're nice and they want to be talked to. Yes. Ask for help when you need it. I, you know what I, with old people like me, if you aren't looking forward to something, to a new phase of your life, what will happen almost immediately is you won't know anything except you won't be excited about anything except what you remember. All you can talk about is what you remember. You can tell people the stories of your past. And I like to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm more excited about what's in the future. Well, you're such a rare anomaly, Joy, because, you, you know, most people just most people spend their whole lives never doing what you've done, particularly not in your age category. Like most yeah. people would never consider doing that at, at your age. And I think that it's just so empowering for anyone listening to hear what you have done and how you have changed your entire life just in the last five years. Oh, I have changed my entire me. Yes, you you were a different joy than you were five years ago. I, I truly was. Oh my goodness. Oh, things are just so good. And I'm looking forward so much to this summer and the future. And oh, life is good. Oh, Joy, I have never beamed, like positively beamed throughout an entire interview. Like my face actually is sore from smiling for an hour straight and also like crying at points. Like, so I just, I feel that you have just lived such an extraordinary life and you, we, we want to get into, you and I had talked before about, about a few different things that we want to, to get into. So I would love to hear a little bit more about how you grew up. So let's maybe kind of go a little bit in chronological order. Well, how you grew up. I know you, you grew up like very poor in, in Oklahoma. Very, and... very, very poor. I could explain how poor. Yeah, tell us. One time I was, after I was an adult, I was working in a, had a good job. And myself and the coworker got into a conversation about our childhoods. And the boss came in and overheard what we were talking about. And she listened for a while and she said, Oh, God, they're swapping poverty stories. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I said, yes, but I'm winning. <laughs> so, no, actually, we were very, very poor. And, and my goodness, my father, I, my father was in his about 60 when I was born. Oh. My mother was over 40. So this I was kind of an unusual family. Uh, my father was already not able, we lived on a farm. Neither of my parents were educated. My father was no longer able to farm. I remember when he went to town and signed up for something called an old age pension. Uh, this was before Social Security, something that Oklahoma offered. It was just a pittance. And that was all the monetary income that we had. But we lived on this farm. We had a, a nice vegetable garden. We raised a pig every year and slaughtered it. And we kept chickens and a river ran through our place so we could go fishing. And my dad was, a he treated himself to one new fruit tree a year 
each year he added one fruit tree and he just had a wonderful fruit orchard. And he was known for raising the best watermelons for miles around. I got to tell you, we ate good. <laughs> so when I tell you we were very poor, we were never in danger of being low on food. Food we had plenty of. Although I tell you we were very poor, it was idyllic. It was wonderful. My childhood was wonderful. I would love to know, like knowing what you know now, what would you say to each version of your younger self along the way? I would have most said is, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I do remember something that my mother said to me often. And as you can tell, I absolutely adored my mother. There's this one thing that she used to say pretty often. If I was ever indecisive, my mother would always say, well, do something, even if it's wrong. Mm, That's a good answer. I love it. It's true. Just take the action and then you figure it out, right? See, now I thought about this since I was an adult and I realized what she was doing was giving me permission to make a mistake. Yes. And the other thing I have figured out since I'm an adult is that there are very few mistakes you can make that can't be out undone. Do you think that there was something that, that you changed somehow, or was it just like circumstance or was it all of the lessons that you had learned sort of the, the culmination of that, that led to such a happy marriage and, and what made you not throw in the towel and give up hope after the first three? Oh, I did. Did you? Yeah. Threw in the towel and gave up hope after the first three. <laughs> Let me go back. I'm back to this first one. Okay. So here I was in this dreadful marriage, and I have not told you the worst parts of it. This husband who had a job now and then, we lived in a three-room, three-sided room up on the hill. He was had a job, and his job required out of, him going out of town at one point, he, so packed his bag and he went in his suit and he went and did whatever he had to do for the job. When he got back home, he left his bag for me to unpack. And when I unpacked, I found his suit pants covered with blood in front, which was completely obvious that he'd just left them on for a quickie. Yeah. And I thought that my life had ended. That was so traumatic for me. I was a religious person to think that this had happened. And this was my husband who promised to be a missionary. I thought my life was over. I didn't want to live anymore and I had no reason to live anymore. And after dark one evening, I went up on the hill where there was an oil rig. There are lots of oil rigs in Oklahoma. Lots of oil in Oklahoma. People are not rich, but there are lots of, somebody's rich. Lots of oil rigs in Oklahoma. So there was one up on the hill, not too far from where we live. And I went up there and I climbed all the way to the top of that thing. I had good intentions of jumping off when I got to the top because I thought that life couldn't go on after this horrible thing had happened in my life. I got all the way to the top and I tried, but you know what else 
I'm not sure if this is what saved me. Maybe I was just a coward, but suicide is also a sin. So after I stayed up there several hours, I just climbed back down and went back home. But I really believe that all of my life would be, no matter what happened, it would be on this side of that event or before that event. This, you said something before about events that are turning points. I don't know that this was an turning point, but when you said that, it reminded me of that event because that's the way I felt about it. I thought all my life would be divided. And I have something to tell you that wasn't true. It wasn't very long before I hardly remembered that event. I have something to tell young women, especially when things happen that is horrible, it's life shaking. You think you'll never get over this. You'll get over it. Don't jump off the rig. There is life after this event. Keep going. It's going to get better from here on. That's what I had. That's something about my life. Thank you for sharing that because I think that there are a lot of people who need to hear that, especially from someone with, with your years of wisdom and experience that have, have that you have, have truly lived that. I think that it's, it's easier to, to hear that and take, take someone's word for that and to be able to truly believe it when it's coming from someone like you, because you know, age, age and wisdom does, they do um, go hand in hand, hopefully. And, and they, they do play yes. a role. Yeah. And, yes. and I think that sometimes I, I had, there's, there's a, a couple of clients in particular that I'm thinking of who are 20, 30 years older than me. And, and they were having a, a really hard time still having hope after particular events had happened. And I ended up um, booking them private sessions with uh, a, a friend of mine who happens to be older than me. And I like to refer to her as she, the work that she does, it's like gifting hope. She, she gifts hope. And I was very aware of the fact that no matter how much life experience or how much of an old soul I am at, at the ripe old age of 35, that telling somebody who's older than me, who's having a really hard time, that there's still life on the other side of that event does not mean as much coming from me. Like it just doesn't, I, I fully recognize and accept that. So I yeah. wanted to gift them with something else. And I think that, 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 that this is exactly what you're doing right now. Joy is, is gifting everyone with that, that beautiful piece of wisdom. Thank you for that. Well, you're just welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you mean about people won't listen to you. At my age, I have to say occasionally someone about 35 tries to give me advice about something. <laughs> I just find it extremely laughable. <laughs> it is. It is. And I recognize like the laughability in it. I'm like, who on earth am I to tell you what to do? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Someone's I always it. trying to tell me I should eat a better diet or something like that. And I listen. When you're 88 years old and as healthy as I am, you can talk to me about that until then. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I have to say, right before we started recording, Joy and I had jumped on. We were just starting to get ready. 
And all of a sudden she basically throws, throws her, her iPad down to go sprinting to the back door to beat the dog to the doggy door to shut it before he gets out. Before he meets the pool man. (laughs) This is how spry Joy is just for reference. Oh yeah. I, Racing I had, pit bulls. I raced that pit bull to the doggy door and I won. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Well, so okay, so wrapping this up and this is a little bit of a broad question, but all of these different things in your life, a lot of it, like so much of it came down to to connection, like connection with either the, you know, the, the men that you were in relationships with and Mm -hmm. the connections that you created to get you, move you forward and to progress you in the career that you had. Mm -hmm. What is, what is sort of your secret, especially as somebody who was so shy for your entire life? What do you have any piece of advice for people about creating connection with people? I don't know. I think it just comes naturally for me. I like people. I think that's a huge key. I do. I think that's a huge key to it is, is wanting to, to be curious about other people too, wanting mm-hmm. to learn. I think that you have a natural curiosity. Oh yeah. If I had time to tell you about the various people, spe- specific people that I have met along the way that have helped me so much. I've, I have come to depend on nice, good people. I've come to learn that the world is full of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. What a beautiful perspective that is. And I think that sometimes we all need a reminder of that too, especially for anybody who's maybe going through a hard time or having a difficult moment to have that reminder of, of just how much good is in the world is really powerful. Read my book. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. All over the world. (laughs) Well, all of the information to get your book will be in the show notes. And Joy, I just want to say you are, I was going to say a national treasure, but you're actually an international treasure. You are, you are truly an international treasure. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, the one big thing I've learned, people sometimes ask me of all the places I've lived, where would you rather live? And I tell you, it has absolutely nothing to do with the place. It's the people. I agree. So where am I going to live now? I'm going to live near the people I love. I love that. It's just, I'm very fortunate they happen to live in really nice places. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Joy, thank you so much. I just think that you are an absolute delight. And this has just been so, 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 so special. You're very welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.